Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. You have your Bible, smartphones, or tablets. If you want to follow along, we're going to be looking at that passage in Judges chapter 6, verses 25. We probably won't get to 40, but we'll uh, get about halfway through the story this morning. We're talking about learning from Gideon, part two. I forgot to make an announcement. I love coffee fellowship after service, um, but we need some volunteers for coffee fellowship after service, so there's a sign-up sheet back there if you would uh, consider volunteering to help out in the kitchen there. That would be awesome. Maya was cold last week, right? Yeah. On the positive side, haven't seen any mosquitoes in weeks, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I, I read this new take on an old song this week. Uh, Some of you will appreciate. It goes like this. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, and our joints are not delightful. And since it's so freezing cold, we feel old, we feel old, we feel old. Yeah, some of you can relate, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's warming up, and it's good to be inside today. Today we are continuing to learn from Gideon, and the lessons that God teaches Gideon are lessons that we need to learn, too. Let me bring those of you who were not here last week up to speed. country of Israel had been taken over by the Midianites. They had uh, stolen all the crops, they'd stolen the cattle, they were decimating the land, uh, and they were just running like ants over the land, and there was little left. Um, And uh, as far as the Israelites were concerned, the oppression of the Midianites, that was their main issue. I asked a question last week, and it was still a good question, What are the Midianites in your life? Is it depression, major stress, financial issues? Is it relationships or lack of relationships, addictions? That irregular person, that problematic person in your life? Many of us have things which challenge us, harangue us, cause us grief? What are the Midianites in your life? If you have Midianites, then the story of Gideon is for you. In their desperation, because the Midianites are, are just swarming over the land, the people of God cry, uh, the people of Israel cried out to God uh, for deliverance. God, help us! God, deliver us. And instead of deliverance, God sent them a prophet. They wanted an army. God sent them a prophet. This is what the prophet said. Judges 6, verse 10. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But... You have not listened to me. We want deliverance. God speaks truth. And that's good because truth is the basis for repentance. And repentance is the basis for the power of God to be brought to bear in our lives. The Lord sends his angel to Gideon. Gideon had 
his perspective on life, um, the size of the problem, the issues of the day, but the angel gave Gideon God's perspective on life and the size of God and what God was able to do. When we get God's perspective on our problems, things start to fall into place. Well, this is where we pick up the story this week. Judges chapter 6, verse 25. That same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down the fa your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of his, this height. Using the wood from the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. Remember, the, the Midianites are oppressing the Israelites. They were the enemy. They had stolen the crops. They had stolen the cattle. As far as the Israelites and Gideon were concerned, the Midianites, they're the issue. Um, but from God's perspective, something else had to be dealt with before the Midianites could be dealt with. When I ask people, metaphorically speaking, to describe the Midianites in their life, they normally come up with one or two major issues. Marriage is some problem. Uh, financial stuff that's there. Uh, they struggle with habitual anger or strange relationships problems at school, problems at work, maybe it's an addiction. And when I dig a little deeper, almost inevitably I find that the issue is not the issue. As a pastor, I regularly notice this. As a counselor, if you're a counselor, you know this, the issue is rarely the issue. And God knows it too. To Gideon and to the rest of Israel, the issue was the Midianites, but God comes to Gideon and says, hey, your, your dad's built an altar to Baal. I want you to rip it down. I want you to build me an altar instead. I want you to sacrifice to me, not Baal. And let me give you a little background. Baal... Baal was the god of the region that the Israelites took over um, by the help of God. Baal was the god of fertility and the god of agriculture. Baal's wife was said to be Asherah, and thus the Asherah poles going with the Baal altar. Most of the way through the Old Testament, if the Israelites were going to fall away from God, they were going to fall into Baal worship. Uh, it had happened before in the early parts of Judges, and it would happen after this, all the way to the time of Jeremiah and the Babylonian captivity. Now, I need to tell you that there were some things that were incredibly attractive about Baal worship. Um, he, he dealt with the the important things to the Israelites. 
He was supposedly the god of agriculture, and, and they wanted great crops. And he was also uh, the god of fertility, and they wanted children. He wasn't over the, the god of all of life. He just had, he was a, uh, yeah, a specialist, right? A specialized god. And the people worshiping Baal, well, you know, don't have to worry about pesky things like the Ten Commandments. Um, all they needed to do was appease Baal, and they got what they wanted, good crops and children, or so the belief went. And the self-appeasing Baal wasn't that bad either. Um, the way you worship Baal was through ritualistic prostitution. Uh, both male and female prostitution was part of worship. Um, it was an entirely sexualized culture that Gideon lived in. It was probably as sexualized as, or more so than our culture is. So, you know, when you take a look at the Israelites, you ask, well, what, what kind of worship would be more fun? You know, taking a goat, sacrificing it at the, at the tabernacle, or Baal worship, right? Um, You would think that's a weird question to ask, but you would not believe how many people I've seen stop coming to church over the years because they were sleeping with their boyfriend or girlfriend. The worship was much more fun there. But here's what you need to know about false gods. Here's what you need to know about the bales in your life. They always always, always want more. Jeremiah 19, verse 5. They have built the high places of Baal to burn their children in the fire as offerings to Baal. Simple sacrifice to false gods became sexual sacrifice, became child sacrifice. Pretty sad. But unless we think, oh, that was then and this is now, the secularization of our culture has spawned a whole industry of abortion for convenience sake. It pressurizes our high school students to experiment, often to the detriment of their own mental health. We live in a country where adultery is almost expected and homes are wrecked and so we don't really have any right to judge the culture of Baal. One of the major differences however is that um, the idols in our lives are usually not made of stone or wood. Um, we don't build physical altars. But what you need to know is that an idol can be made of anything. It can be made of religion, or people, or cravings, or ideas. It can be made out of money, or power, or significance and reputation, or comfort, or we can idolize people. An idol is 
anything that is more important to God and more important than God in our lives. The number of different idols that we can construct these days, almost countless. We have this tendency to make idols. We lift stuff up and, oh, yeah, this gets in the way of God, but oh well. And then we cry out to God for relief from the oppression, from relief from the turmoil, from the challenges, from the, the suffering that we feel, and the suffering is real, and he often points to another area of our life. He sends a prophet. He calls us to do something. So God says to Gideon in verse 25, go rip down your father's altar to Baal. Here's what you need to know. Many of our false gods in our culture are shared. Some of them are transmitted through family and what our family idolizes. Some of them are held as a value in our culture and in our community. And tearing them down sometimes isn't just a personal thing. It's a social thing and it has a social impact. After all, if you're going to gossip, if that's your idol, you need somebody to gossip with. If you're going to cause dissensions and factions, if you want to get your own way in a group, well, you need to have a group to do that with. So... Gideon here is being asked to go against his family system. Tear down the altar to Baal that your father built. He's asked to go against family history. He's always known this family God. He's been a while, around for a long time. He's being asked to go against family. He's being asked to go against community. And you know what? That tends to get people upset. Remember that, that Baal was concerned with only a part of life, like agriculture and children, and, and many would have uh, probably kept worshipping the true God while and giving lip service to that while they were indulging in Baal worship. Um, and they wouldn't have found that problematic. Uh, yeah, you worship whatever you want. You worship that God, you worship that God. And it's the same thing today. Our culture prides itself on being pluralistic. We think we're good at living and let live. So you can be a Christian, just don't say anything about it. And if you're even to suggest that, well, that you're not going to sleep together with your significant other before you're married, um, you're going to catch all kinds of flack. In some places, if you suggest that there's more to life than money, or that you can be helpful for, to someone uh, with no thought of return, they'll look at you like you have two heads. Depending on your friend group, people will wonder about you if you don't participate in gossip. 
or if you don't go out and get drunk or high on the weekend. There are many who, who would tell you, well, you can be a Christian if you want. Just all you need to do is behave like us. But the Bible's clear. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I, and, and, and the like. I warned you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible's clear. We can't live like the world. Now, we have no business judging the world, right? Like, people are judged with what they do with Jesus. That's, that's the world. But for us, we can't live the way the, uh, in the way this particular scripture describes. But um, sometimes being loving and compassionate, trying to live a holy life, sometimes it'll get you accolades. And Sometimes it'll get you crucified. Jesus experienced both. All I'm saying is, when you start to deal with the idols in your life, don't expect the world around you to stand up and applaud. Don't expect your family to stand up and applaud if they're not Christian. Say you're trying to deal with the tendency to gossip or get rid of hatred or you're trying to stay away from envy. And because of those things, you, you choose to abstain from some conversations, or you refuse to go to some places. You're going to be like Gideon. You're going against the system, and, and even though pluralism's valued in Canada, you'll quickly find out that we don't live up to our ideals when we suggest, even by our actions, that, that some things are wrong to participate in, then people who do those things will feel judged just by your non-participation. To suggest that anything is wrong in our culture seems like social suicide. Well, Gideon knew that he was getting himself into a hornet's nest. So he did what God commanded him to do, but he does it as subtly as possible. Verse 27, So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him, but because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. But, you know, when the townsfolk woke up, they noticed something was different. They asked each other who did this, and when they carefully investigated, they, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son, he must die because he's broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Ah. When you go against a system, the system often wants blood. But help comes to Gideon from this unlikely place. Joash was Gideon's father. He was actually the guy who built the altar. And uh, he was the owner of the bull who was sacrificed. 
But despite all that, Joash came to Gideon's rescue. In verse 31, it says, but Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, are you going to plead Baal's cause? Or are you going to try to save him? Whoever fights for him will be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, then he can defend himself when somebody breaks down his altar. He's basically saying, don't you think that Baal, Baal can take care of himself? If you kill Gideon, you're insulting Baal because he can defend himself. You should be afraid to kill, kill Gideon because then Baal will kill you. Not sure about that argument, but from that day, Gideon was given a new name, which means uh, uh, Jerubal Baal, which means that Baal contend with him. People, if you're battling with Midianites and God points out the Asherah pole and the Baals in your life, you need to deal with those before you're going to be able to deal with the Midianites. Because what you think is the issue is probably not the issue. You want the power of God to come and resolve stuff in one area of your life, but you stop him from working because of what you're doing in another area of your life. Sometimes we have trouble connecting the dots. The question we all have to ask ourselves is, are there things we're putting ahead of God? Are there idols in our life? Are there things that we obey more readily than we obey God? Here's what you need to know about God. First of all, God loves you. God wants to deliver you. Jesus is all about freedom and setting your life free. God doesn't want oppression. He wants deliverance and freedom in your life. But God knows that to be set free of the Midianites in your life, you have to be set free of the Baal in your life. Turning, our away, turning away from our idols and turning towards God, in other words, repentance, always precedes deliverance. Repentance always precedes deliverance. You need to know that. Can't you say, well, I want God to work here, but uh, I'm not going to let him touch over here. The people of God could not be delivered from the Midianites until they took care of Baal. You won't be delivered from what's oppressing you unless you take care of the idols in your life. Now let me put a disclaimer here. Idols are not the only reason why we stay in, in bondage. Sometimes... You know, the Bible says it's for a lack of knowledge that my people perish. Sometimes it's the word of God to Paul, you know, going to let the thorn remain, my strength is sufficient for you. To put it another way, having issues in your life doesn't necessarily mean that you have idols, but I can pretty well guarantee you if you have idols in your life, you will have issues. Um... Jesus came to set people free. It is what the cross is all about. So, here's the question. Are you willing to ask God if there are idols in your life? Um, if you're not willing to ask God if there are idols in your life, then I can pretty well guarantee that there's idols in your life. Just saying, right? But if you're willing to ask... 
God's willing to speak. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.